50% overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He was five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in number one in eight. Welcome into another episode of Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. We're coming off the heels of the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic semifinals game in which the uh, sixth-ranked Houston Cougars came out victorious 76-66 to 66 over the Utah Utes. Joining me, as always, day on Dunlap, Chris Gardner. How y'all doing? Doing great, man. How are y'all? Good to see you, Andy. I'm doing great. Appreciate it, Chris. Doing good as well, man. Glad it's Friday. I mean, I saw Dion last night. Been a while since we've seen you, Andy, but always good, man. (laughs) Real quick, man, if I might say this, because I I noticed on social media that there are other shows that are also doing post-game shows right now with us. So thank you to the fans who are with Les Rage Cougs, the original, as Dion said and Andy said, the original post-game show for Houston Athletics. Thank you very much for joining us. If someone's not copying you, then you're not doing nothing right. Being copied is a compliment. I love it. There and you go. It's the most sincerest form of flattery. But let's get into the game in it of itself or in itself. I think we can all agree that this has been the toughest test up to this point so far for the Houston Cougars to begin their young 2023-24 season. And give credit to Utah. They did a good job of giving Houston issues and their guards, Calvin Sampson, after the game, was joking with it with the ESPN TV broadcast about how could it prepare for two guards where their their guards were six ten and seven feet. He was kind of poking fun at how um, really versatile Utah's guards were. But the Houston Cougars, the biggest thing that they did well in this game was closing out the halves. And going back to the first half, it was tied twenty six all, and they ended the first half on I believe it was a thirteen to four run to lead by nine at the break. Same thing in the second half when Utah came all the way back, tied the game, and Houston was able to push and extend and ultimately win by double digits. And a big credit to that, their guard play specifically when it comes to the backcourt in Jamal Shedd and LJ Cryer. Dan, I want to, I want to give you props for you wanted this in our first, our previous Less Rage Coog shows. You wanted to see how the team responded when they were tested. And they, the game was tied at 56, and they responded. You know, they did. Coach went to Terrence Arsenal after a timeout, which mm-hmm. showed some confidence in Terrence. Terrence got a tough bucket. And LJ Cry hit back-to-back threes, and they restored order. So they, this is their first test of adversity this, this season, and they responded going on that closing run to win by 10. Yeah, like you mentioned, that's one of the things I wanted to see with this year's team, how they respond to adversity. And also I mentioned uh, one thing I was going to pay attention to was which lineup was Coach Sampson going to trust in these adverse situations and this, this game on the line situations? And like you mentioned, Terrence Arsenal went to him in that moment. And just looking at the lineup, Terrence was in the game. JVA really w- wasn't in the game. And so yep. that tells me is that four guard, that four guard lineup is going to be a staple within this year's team um, as the season goes on. And another thing, Damian Dunn, on one of the closeout possessions, got the ball at the free throw line middle of the floor, so he had options to go either right or left, and he got a hit a bucket when they went zone, that one through one zone, the Cougs looked like they knew what they were doing. Because some, you know, some you know fans and us, do they practice going against zone? What are they doing? They look so out of sorts. Well, Utah went zone down the stretch, 
Houston had no problems picking that apart. So that's good to see as well. We'll say down the stretch, something that was very alarming and it's something we're not used to seeing. Jamal Shedd, back-to-back turnovers yep. in crunch time. That's something I'm sure Cole Sampson is going to get onto him about, and I'm sure it's something he's going to hold himself accountable about. And something you just can't have get going against better competition as the season goes on. Outside of that, he played really well. Four turnovers in the game, and if I'm not mistaken, last year he was one of the best guards in assist to turnover ratio. And so mm-hmm. you got to get these turnovers down, and that's something that I will pay attention to because that can lose you a game. For sure. And Dan, I disagree on this part of it. Coach Sampson kind of touched on it a little bit. I think Jamal took the bait. Utah kind of dared him to shoot. He took a lot of shots. First half, he took more shots than LJ and anybody else. I don't like that one. I'd rather Jamal facilitate and get more assists and get his teammates involved and then be the closer down the stretch at the end of games. He still took more shots. I think he took 17 shots in the game. That's a little bit too many, but that first half especially. I didn't like the offense, how, how it flowed in that first half until the final minutes of the first half. Yeah, Jamal Shedd had 14 points. It's like you said, Chris, 6 of 17 from the field, 2 for 6 on his threes, had 5 assists, but he had five, uh, 4 turnovers, and 0 for 3 from the free throw line. Eldrick Cryer also had 14 points, shot 5 for 14 from the field. He was 4 of 9 on his threes. He had 3 assists, no turnovers for him. Emmanuel Sharp actually led the way in points. For Houston in this game, he had 15 on 6 of 13 shooting, but that turnover that or those turnovers that Dayon mentioned at the end of the game, a couple bad decisions when they, when they started pressing. Um, the way that they described in the broadcast was a perfect analogy for it, kind of trying to go for the home run play instead of taking a single when it came to uh, to their press, and then it bit them a little bit in late down the stretch because uh, they turned that turnover into a three-point shot that cut it to six and then gave Utah some life after a team like Houston was in control of the game. And ultimately, Houston stole one by double digits, but that's something like today on the point. Come later in the season when they're in those close games during Big 12 conference play, that's something they got to clean up. When I think it was Debbie Antonelli who made the comment about Try to go in for the home run rather single. That's Coach Sampson speak. We've heard that for years <laughs> covering the team. Sometimes it's better to just get single. You don't even get a home run. Just make the simple pass, the simple play. So Jamal's kind of out of character right there down the stretch. Those two turnovers. Let's talk about down again in previous shows. I said one of the concerns that Houston has been beaten on is guard, a hot guard. An opponent guard play lighting up. Gabe Matson today was that guard. Utah, he had it going on, knocking down threes. Some of them were contested. Some of them were open from good picks. Utah said some good picks. Mm-hmm. He did a good job moving out the ball. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the opponent and say, well done, Gabe Matson." Yeah, like you said, some of that was good pick. Some of it was a great ball movement. And with yep. the way Houston defends, um, they force you – they rotate so much and they double team. And if you can catch them in rotation you move the ball quickly without hesitation, you can get some of those good shots. And if you make them, then that's what's plagued Houston in the past, guards making tough shots going all the way back to BYU – Going back to South Florida, which they didn't lose that game, but the the small guard Harris had a big game going to Kendrick Davis and even back to the tournament. So that's something that uh, on film, if you can make those shots, whether it's contested or not, you get hot. That's something that you can really do well against Houston defense. But that's out of that. You really like Chris said, you got to tip your cap. He was hot and they did a good job of Keaton feed him. But 
the the one thing that Houston how they won this game was turning defense into offense, getting mm-hmm. turnovers and turning those points off of those turnovers, and that's really how they were able to win this game because when they turned it over, they was able to get out of transition and, and get points. And we could touch on it, you know, Houston was twelve for twenty four from the free throw line. My issue, Jamal was over three. You got to have your guards, especially your point guard, make free throws. Jojo Tugler, right now, I'm not expecting him to be a good free throw shooter. You know, he was two for six, but Jamal Shedd going over three, that's out of character for him. So he'll be okay there. Damian Dunn was three for four. The guys who you expect to be at the line, that's who you want to make free throws. And today, Jamal just didn't, didn't do it. Everybody else, Biggs, Jojo, I'm not going to be, Jojo may not be there six times in a game for the rest of the year, <laughs> you know, in based on situations. But, Damien, let's talk about this. Damien Dunn having trouble finding his game. Well, I mean, before today and yesterday, he, he had found his game. <laughs> so, he's in the yeah, starting I, lineup right now. So, I'm not, I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's having trouble finding his game. It's just back-to-back games where the, his shot doesn't fall. You see him make that cut bucket down the stretch, and so the confidence is there, the ability is there. It's just on a game-to-game basis. You got to get in the rhythm and make some shots. We saw how he started the season, and so it's there. He's still finding his rhythm, still getting back into the rhythm. But I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's, he's finding having trouble finding his game, per se. Yeah, and that just goes back to the the depth of the team. Like the Houston doesn't need Damian Dunn to score twenty plus points each and every single night down the stretch today. L.J. Cryer had two very clutch back to back threes uh, that were pivotal in being able to create the separation. We saw Jamal Shedd hit one clutch three, and and when Utah started going their zone, started pressing, and I think where Houston found the offense, Kelvin Sampson for the past few years, they do a good job at finding those advantages like we saw down the stretch, not only when they went to zone Damien Dunn hit the free throw um, shot, but also they went to Terrence Arsenal down the stretch when he had the size advantage, you know, let him go to work a couple times down the stretch. It's all part of the four four guard lineup, you know, four guards and Juan Roberts, the big, that matchup, that lineup could cause a probably will cause problems for a lot of teams this year because they're going to spread the floor as long as they can get rebounds out of that fivesome, that's going to be a go-to lineup, I think, down the stretch. And I think it's proved that because of Coach Sampson is going to go to who he trusts in, in these big moments. And, and that lineup shows me. And that was one of the things when we got a question of what we're going to be looking for. And that was one of the things I was looking for because such an early season. And in my opinion, this is really Houston's first game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, It's really like their first game. And so um, – and to Chris's point, remember last episode, we talked about what we have seen from Terrence so far this season, his non-hesitation on his shot. Still no hesitation. It looks good. And so that is another aspect. But I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive, like I mm-hmm. said last night. And so Jamal Shedd taking 17 shots, most shots on anyone. I, I'm not really mad at it because a lot of his shots were good and in the rhythm of the offense. But still, I would still like to see other players be a little bit more aggressive. LJ Choir showing that he's lights out. Big-time moments, he's ready. He's going to make those big shots. And Coach, like Coach Sample said, he's the best three-point shooter on the team. And he gets an open look. You can almost count it. Yeah. And it was it was a great look by Juan. Got the ball in the paint, and he kicked it out to LJ in that corner. Splash. That option. This, this team, we've said it. It's, what, our fifth post-game show for basketball this young season. This team has different ways to win games. This was their first test. They, you know, 
offense bogged down a little bit. Utah got back in it, tied it up. LJ Cryer, R. Snow, everybody said, no worries. We'll still win this game. And they did by 10. I think they covered. I want to say somebody said the spread was like nine and a half. Andy, is that right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I sure. Nine and a half. <laughs> I think one they thing, did cover. Yeah, excuse, ahead, me, excuse me, Dan. One thing, refs called it tight. A lot of fouls. Houston got the depth to handle it. Utah went to the line, made enough, <laughs> but it came down to what the Cougs did down the stretch to close it out and get the victory. They did cover the spread was nine and a half points. <laughs> so they managed to just get the over. If you don't you know, care about that. Now, I was just going to say, um, giving the credit to not only two players, Jay Wan, I'm sure we'll talk about the post in a minute, but Emmanuel Sharp. I mean, this shows his development from last year. And it reminded me of early in Marcus Sass's career. If his three-point wasn't falling, then he really wasn't much of a factor. But tonight he went, I think, what, one for four from three, but he still Mm -hmm. left the team in scoring with 15 points. And that goes to my point when I saw him in the first game, his ability to attack the close out because teams are wanting to run him off that three-point line. And now, excuse me, now he's making plays off the dribble, whether it's one dribble pull up, getting all the way inside to his photo game, and him even getting to the free throw line because he's a really good free throw shooter as well and today he went two for three and so i'm really loving the overall development of emmanuel sharp and i like him coming off the bench better in my opinion from this team it's not to say that he's not a starter or or starter worthy but um i love what he brings the team um, bring this year's team off the bench it's instant offense and and, um I, I love it's that. It's a good actually. problem to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. And then defensively, he was got a couple of good steals. He's moving active. And I really love what I saw from Emmanuel Sharp today. I really love he's taking that next step. And as he continues to develop, continues to get more confident, I think he's going to be another player that really can, can lead this Houston team on a night-to-night basis. But what I really saw is I know Coach Sampson wants to get um, Wilson a lot of minutes and, and not have – Jamal Shedd play a lot of minutes, but for what I saw, Jamal Shedd is really one of the few players. I think Damien has that capability as well to really ignite the offense. But not only that, play well in pick and roll because teams, the way they were guarding um, when Jamal was out the bench, Houston had really had trouble getting into their set and getting Mm -hmm. into a rhythm offensively. So that's something to keep an eye on. It was interesting because sometimes it was like LJ did not want to run the offense. And the offense bogged down. It didn't pass. It didn't have ball movement. You know, he, and Damian Dunn had a, had a chance. He had a possession like with almost 12 seconds left on the clock and just kept the ball. Didn't, didn't, didn't pass it. You know, just pound it. Move the ball. Have ball movement, player movement. Get better shots. Fifth game into the season. Just work on it. This was a good test. They got the win. Have another test on Sunday. Yes, Sunday, fans. Not Saturday. Sunday. 7.30 on ESPN against a good Dayton team. That'll be a fun matchup. Looking forward to that one. Definitely. When it comes to Dayton, what are some things that um, you could uh, see potentially some matchup problems, matchup woes? Uh, with Houston, what would you guys be interested in seeing come Sunday in the championship game? It'll be a 7.30 p.m. Central tip-off here on ESPN. Well, my biggest thing is the Dayton fans, it's a lot of them. Like Coach Sam touched on, it's going to be a, like a road game for Houston. Deron Holmes is an all-conference player. He could be a matchup problem. Dayton's going to cause some issues. Be another good test for the Cougars. 
I think the day off will do both teams some good. And I, I'm picking, I'm hoping for a competitive game from a tip. And the Cougs, I think, will win. I think the depth will wear Dayton down. But we'll see. That's another good test. Javier Francis, we talked about it, him being consistent. Didn't have it today. He had it last, yesterday. Didn't have it today. See if he bounces back in Sunday's game. Just different ways for this team to win. We were all concerned about Utah's height. Gabe Matson was the one that hurt the Cougs today with his, what, eight threes. Yeah, for Dayton, they really have, uh, like Chris mentioned, they have an all-conference player. And he's a versatile player. He's another big who who can stretch the floor. He made a three today, but his game is primarily inside the arc from free throw line all the way into the rim. And he's a tremendous player. He can ignite their defense. And so I want to see how they're going to defend him because of, he's not one of those traditional posts who catch it on the block and their muscle defense are going to post it. He'll catch a free throw line. He'll catch it on the block. But he has such a well-rounded game. I think he could give Houston, Houston fits. And uh, I, I really want to see more from JVA. I mean, uh, like Chris said, at, at last game, he, he showed times where he's confident and, and he's thinking quick and he's making tough moves. And then tonight, he really just didn't really play many minutes. Yeah. And so when he was out there, um, I can't say he really he, – he just didn't play – he didn't play a lot of minutes. So it's hard to really judge him on his play really today. But I, I want to see more from him. But Jay Wan, man, he was a beast. I think we, we should feature him a little bit more. And one thing he does so well is he does a great job of – doing those good power power dribbles to mm-hmm. get to his left hand because even though the scouting report saying he's going to get to his left hand he bangs you so much two two good dribbles to get and then getting back to over his right shoulder to his left hand and so he's mastered that so well and he's ignited Houston offensively in that first half to really get them going because they started with I believe one for eight and they made like their last next four for six shots and so I mean that really plays back into their depth it's really not one player that you can say we stop him and we can beat Houston yeah agreed I wanted like to see more touches for Juan in the post even as facilitator if some teams double double down on him because they do that he'll kick it out and open up the perimeter perimeter game just different ways for this team to win I keep touching on it and I, I, I forget what point in the game but did the announcers Oh, no. Yeah, the announcers mentioned that Jamal Shedd believes this is the best team he's played on at Houston. Did y'all catch that? I caught that, too. And I wonder if that's something he said. Or is that just cliche talk? Because that's something you're going to say with your teammates this year. I feel like this is the best team. So I wonder if he really means that or if that's something. You know, I wonder where that came from. Because I definitely did. I I, I heard that, Chris, for sure. And I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's still very early, but this team is very yeah. different from that Final Four team. Uh, they had Justin Gorham. They had Fabian White that was coming off the ACL. They still had Bryson Gresham. They had Reggie Chaney, Quentin Grimes, Marcus Sasser, Dejan Giroux. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't, as of now, <laughs> still early. I don't know. Uh, they're quite at that level. But, but I think the potential of the seeding could possibly be there by the time March rolls around. It was, when it comes to the depth and much more. It's a very different team. They're not as necessarily prepared when it comes to the upfront. Just in ter- you have Jawan Roberts, he's solid, but then JoJo Tugler, Javier Francis. There's still some question marks at this point, November seventeenth, that we're talking. There's no draft. Whereas, 
Exactly. That was yeah. completely different from, oh, yeah, even if you want to go to the Elite Eight team, Josh Carlton, um, that was, again, another veteran-led team. Still still way too early to be able to compare, even compared to last year's team. But it, it's, cause it could be. Was he just saying it to be saying it? But it's just, I'm just like little nuggets from Coach Sampson, Jamal Shedd, how Coach likes this team, Jamal saying things like that. This team is veteran, has a good mix of young players. Mr. Tugler, it's not Joseph, ESPN, don't put that on the graph. He's, he's Jojo <laughs> Tugler, Jojo Tugler. That's how, what he likes to be called, Jojo Tugler. Get him more minutes. Coach, tell, you know, it's like, Davey, if you don't give it to me early, Jojo coming come again, <laughs> you know. He's confident enough in Georgia early right now. And then JV can come off the bench and get comfortable and, and do what he didn't do to start the game. So the versatility is there. This team has to get some more experience. But the signs are there. This could be another special team for Houston. It definitely could. It, even if they say if this team wins the national championship, I still don't know, in my opinion, be like, oh, they're a better team. They won it. So that's still hard to judge. But like Andy, keep reiterating, it's a, so early. It's really hard to judge. But the post and the lack of depth in the post is something this this team hasn't had in the years past. But they're they're it makes up for um, their depth in the guards. But just getting down the line, I mean, you have such a, um, a good amount of guards. And then Terrence, his he's almost he's another X factor because his mm-hmm. length and his ability to guard forwards who are quote unquote fours or post players, but. Nowadays, it's, uh, it's a lot of four out and one in. And so Houston just kind of playing to the trend in regards to now, but they still hold true to because it's not often you see a lot of teams nowadays from NBA to high school have two traditional big men, a center and a power forward. Now it's a, a post player with four guards around him. So Coach Sampson, with the roster he has, is realizing the talent he has. And he's playing to the strengths of that. And I, I think it plays, they play really well with that because they get out in transition. They're able to cause more turnovers. They're faster. They're more athletic. And they're able to, to defend in a high rate because they're so quick and so tenacious. You know, there's not many Hunter Dickinsons, Zach Edies, and UConn's Donovan Klingon in, in college basketball. So it's not like it, it's a, a huge issue for Houston to defend low post scoring skilled big men. It's that's not part of basketball anymore. You know, low post scoring big men is going away with dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, I mean it really is. So Hunter Dickinson, Dayon said Andy, I'm not sure if you heard Dayon say it, but Dayon said he saw the game was against uh, Kentucky. He said he's not worried about Hunter against Houston in terms of matchup and what how they defend him and what they could, he can do against Houston. What do you think about that? Because yeah. I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still early, but if you look at the track record for Houston, they've had a good, they've done a good job of being able to guard bigs. And I agree. Um, didn't catch the entire game a couple days ago, but from the glimpses that I saw, there's nothing that Houston hasn't been able to handle in the past, especially when you think of the quality of bigs that they've met in the NCAA tournament in years past. And again, I want to thank because the numbers are growing, the viewers are, no, are growing. Thank you to tuning in to watch Less Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. But one more time, the original post-game show of Houston Athletics, Houston football and men's basketball. We are the original. Andy had the idea. We're the first to do it. Other people have started doing it themselves. 
Thank you for the compliment. But we, Let's Rage Cougs, number one, we started it. Often imitated, but we can't be duplicated. And so, yes, sir. We appreciate right. you. Yeah, we could say in. we're the only ones that started as a Twitter space. So, remember when, when to the Twitter spaces were mm-hmm. common. But, we'll, again, men's basketball and football. So, that means we'll be right back tomorrow, potentially around the same time after Houston yeah. finishes their senior night. And uh, not to digress too much, but. Uh, uh, Tillman Fertitta, the Oklahoma a victory over Oklahoma State. If you ask Tillman uh, Fertitta, he, he said we should beat Oklahoma State. So okay. we'll we'll see how that uh, goes. I, I, uh, roughly around twenty four hours will be interesting to see for the final home game of the regular of the twenty twenty three regular season for the Houston Cougars football team. But sticking to basketball once again, like Chris just mentioned, this is Les Rich Cougs presented by the Saxonian family, and. Uh, Again, the final score, Houston comes out victorious, 76-66 over Utah in the Shriners-Charleston Classic to advance to the championship game, which will be Sunday evening, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And again, top to bottom, the Houston Cougars found a way to execute down the stretch and uh, really come over to victory, did a good job closing out. Both halves, not just the first and second, both halves to be able to come away with that 10-point victory overall. We mentioned on the free throw struggles, we kind of touched on Jamal Shedd's turnover struggles, but as a team, so Houston only has seven turnovers. That was a big, big positive. And that's something that Calvin Sampson pointed out in the stat sheet after the game when he was being interviewed by the ESPN broadcast. Yep, and I want to answer the question from Sean Big, Big Dobbs. Malik Wilson is a backup point guard. He only played, he four, only played minutes four minutes today. today. I think Coach Sampson, Malik took a three- in the first half, was the first half was kind of it was a rush shot. That's not the shot. That's not Malik Wilson's game is not three point shooting. So coach sat him down, wanted to go with Jamal. Team's off tomorrow, so Jamal can rest. But Malik Wilson is the team's backup point guard. And then to get to LJ Cry can run the offense. Damian Dunn can run the offense. You got different guys behind Jamal who can run the offense when necessary. Anybody? Um, no, what I was going to say, going back to the original point, what Houston did well about only seven turnovers as a team. That's a big reason why, even though, again, on a night where they didn't necessarily shoot it lights out and even had their free throw woes, big reason why they were able to come away ultimately with still a double-digit victory. You know, as long as you don't turn it over, you give yourself a right. chance. Yeah. That's, that's important because if you miss, the Cougs miss, they can at least get the rebound. Mm-hmm. But if you turn it over, you don't give yourself a chance. Seven turnovers, that, that might be the best number so far these five games. You know, even though the other opponents and other games really weren't tests like this one, I think this might have been the lowest number so far. Yeah, and Jamal had four of those. And it's not surprising because he has the ball in his hands probably 90% of the time in yeah. regards to Houston. And so sometimes you're going to have these games, but just the turnovers that he had down the stretch, those two are the ones you got to eliminate. Crunch yes. time turnovers down that that moment because one, one of them led to a three, which cut the lead to six. And mm. so, I mean, I, I know that's something Coach Sampson and we'll talk to him about. Coach, 
uh, Jamal Shedd is such a smart player. He'll realize in that moment he can't make those type plays. But is it fatigue? What was it that made him those type of plays? Because Coach Sampson reiterated last season, oftentimes they played Jamal two minutes. And mm-hmm. to um, the question, who's the backup point guard? Malik has to step up and play better to enable Coach Sampson to feel more confident to leave him on the floor longer. Because when I was watching him tonight, there was just certain moments he bring the ball up the court and pick a roll action. He, they go under the screen or he get past the defender. Just do your free throw line floater. And so yeah. I think as, as he watches films and he gets more comfortable, we will see his game to develop and to flourish. Because when he they were overseas, he played so exceptional lights out. I'm like, okay, he can be the X factor of this team because he can do so much on the floor. And so um, I'm not really too worried about him. I think as the season goes on, he gets – his niche kind of figures out how he can impact this team on a game-to-game basis, we will see more from him. And that's a great point. 33 minutes for Jamal Shedd, and like we touched on, only four minutes for Malik Wilson. It might be something. And coming off the heel, played a game last night too. So that could definitely have been something that played a factor late down the stretch. And one thing Coach Sampson did mention to the, the announcers after the game, that some guys Sunday will probably play more minutes mm-hmm. in Maybe that will be Malik will be one of those guys. No Ramon Walker. No Ramon Walker today either. Which kind of surprised me. But again, they went coach to use nine players a day. I think Malik will will get minutes Sunday. Ramon probably get more minutes. Well, some on Sunday as well and get back to a a 10 man rotation. Which is just another example of the depth of this team. Ramon Walker is an energy guy provides things that sometimes is lacking. Rebounding, tough defense, another physical player up front, possibly at that that power forward spot, didn't play today. Definitely. I wonder, Juana Polk says, good evening from the Fertitta Center. The UH volleyball team is going to be hosting Iowa State. So a lot going on when it comes to UH athletics. I mean, we touched on everything. Is there anything else that we – Need a, a touch on going forward. We already previewed Dayton, touched on the guards, Terrence, Jawan. What's left? I want to, you know, commend Jawan Roberts. Twelve rebounds. Led had a game high twelve rebounds. And we said it again. If you're tuning in late to this edition of the show, we thought he should have got more touches. Only got six shot attempts. I had to get him around ten. 10 and he attempts. had he had his double double in the first half, right? And so if that's if I'm not mistaken, me, he didn't score in the second half. Yeah, let me yeah. check. Because you might be yeah, right. He did. Yeah, well, he close. Eleven points, eight rebounds. Yeah. Have to. Okay, okay. So he had two more points in the second half. And some of that as a post player, you got to get in a position and, and demand the ball. But like Coach Sampson, he, he does a great job of calling sets. Sometimes I think when it slows down or the game is kind of getting chaotic, I go to him a little more, uh, for yeah. sure. So, you know, we're we're just nitpicking that stuff. And right. a team that's 5-0, and ranked sixth in the country, coming off what we think is their best win to date this young season over a good Utah team and a future Big 12 Opponent. member, you know, Utah. <laughs> so, well, if you don't mind, guys, if I can, I want to get your thoughts on Dan because I, I know we haven't – I haven't asked you about this. What are your thoughts on – this is not Cougar related. This is Big 12 related. What are your thoughts on Commissioner Britt Yormark's really push, because it's him doing it, push to get Gonzaga to join the Big 12? 
and basketball. Well, he wants basketball. Gonzaga wants to join in all sports. <laughs> he does, wants does, basketball. does Gonzaga have football? No, no, they don't. Right? No. Mm. I I would love it. I mean, I would love it. It would it would power the Big Twelve even more because they keep showing the graphic from the last couple of years that Gonzaga has the best winning percentage in front of Houston. So basketball wise, it would strengthen the Big Twelve. I, I'm all for it even more. And so, I mean, I would love it. He's doing a great job of innovating the Big Twelve, making it different. I love the 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 belt, the WWE partnership with them and the belt. And so he's finding different ways to to innovate the Big 12. And I, I love it because he's connecting with the youth even more. We we yeah. see um the women's basketball team have their belts in which I, I love those little things to I don't want to say it, it ignites players even more, but they look forward for their recognition to have the belt. And so I mean I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think they definitely um should be in a Power Five conference in basketball. I haven't seen much of the other sports, but basketball for sure. Bring them on in. And you touched on the graphic for the last few years. It's Gonzaga, Houston, and then Kansas. Kansas. So imagine you having all three, three of them in, in the Big Twelve for basketball. That that'd be something else. Now it's got to come down to TV networks and if they're willing to pay, you know, financially for to make sense to the president in the Big Twelve. Because the commissioner wants it. He wants it for sure. He's wanted it for months. We'll see if it, because Joseph Duarte reported again that talks have resumed. I'm not sure what's changed from anybody's perspective, but Brett, your marks, because he's wanted for a while and he's a minority of one, but he's still pushing it, apparently. And for basketball, at least, they would achieve the goal of being a coast to coast conference. Yes. Yeah. And it would, it would, I guess, I don't know how to kneecap or keep them from joining the pack. To <laughs> which will become the, the which will become the pack slash Mountain West at some point in the next two years. But if you get Gonzaga in the Big Twelve, don't have to worry about them with Oregon State, Washington State, and whatever his teams are in the the re, renamed. You know whatever it's going to be, it's going to probably still be the hope to keep the Pac twelve name for the branding, but most of the teams will be from the Mountain West. What do you think about Michael Jones' comment right here? He didn't like that we stopped attacking the basket. I think, again, that goes back to fatigue, honestly. Not to make it an excuse, but the length the length when it came to Utah as well definitely played a factor. I think it was interesting when it came to the rebound, rebounding totals. Houston didn't necessarily dominate, um, at least when it comes to how we've been accustomed to the last few years. And that's a testament to the youth and how well they played. But only, 20, I mean, 39, 38 rebound advantage, uh, rebounding advantage of one single rebound. That's not something that we see too often with the Houston Cougars when it comes to their opponents. And they were a smaller team. You're going against a team that got two seven-footers, the tallest team in the country, or the top one of the top tallest teams in the country. And so not really so much of rebounding, but I do agree with his point in regards to attacking the basket. And I think mentally, with them missing so many free throws, maybe that played a part in it as well, not wanting to go to the free throw line. But maybe not. But then it's about what the defense shows you, what the defense brings, and being able to react. But just Jamal taking 17 shots, in my opinion, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not not a knock on him to say that he can't his offensive ability he can't make those shots, but seventeen shots. I think you disperse that from better scores on the team. There are better scores than Jamal Shed on the team. I mm-hmm. will confidently say that. And so you can spread that around to some of the other scores. Then I'll feel more confident in that. And 
part of an attack of the basket does not mean you have to take the layup. You penetrate the defense and kick it out to an open man in the corner. You get open shots that way too. Because Terrence did that when he was able to get inside the zone and hit it to LJ when his second consecutive threes that he made. So, you know, that's a way. So I agree they stop attacking, but instead of trying to finish over those seven-footers sometimes, kick it out to an open teammate. And knock down, because this team does have, this Houston team has some knockdown three-point shooters. Not if we saw it down the stretch. <laughs> exactly. Down, are you going to say something? No, 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 no. Uh, nope, I agree with you guys for sure. This is this is good. This is part of, we've gone almost 40 minutes, less red Cougs. Got people watching us, people commenting. Fans, don't be shy about your comments. This is basketball. This is the winning Cougs, you know, part of the program, of that unit, athletic program. Football, we got hot and heavy comments about the football team. You can comment on basketball, what you like, didn't like. Think about this year's team. Thoughts on Coach Sampson liking this team and sitting, saying it a lot. The potential matchup against Dayton. What, what are you curious about seeing in this coming Sunday's game at 730 on ESPN? I wouldn't say anything. Sorry, I, I wouldn't say anything specific, but I think it's a cool opportunity. It's a good opportunity overall. And when it comes to the team, they've been on the road since they left on Tuesday. So they've been together for pretty much the whole week by the time they leave. Um, Charleston come the end of Sunday. I'd imagine they probably leave right after the game Sunday night. It's a good team bonding experience, and that's something that even last season, I'm not sure if they ever had an entire week just isolated whenever they went to to any one particular location, which that's nothing that you're going to see on the court per se, but that's something that could benefit the team tremendously down as they continue to head into December and even into the meat of conference play. And Andy, you touched on it. You mentioned it about fatigue. The Cougs played Saturday, Monday, Thursday, and today. So that's a lot of games in a short amount of time. So being off, no game on Saturday, I think will benefit them to help them really get re-energized, recharged for Sunday's Sunday night's game against Dayton. And it's early in the season. And like we talked about, Chris, these type of tournaments, these type of stretch of games prepare them for what's to come later in the season when they get into the NCAA tournament. And so these moments are teaching moments and experience moments that you can draw back to. And remember, when we play such and such games in a certain amount of days. We know we can do it. And now this is how we prepare. This is how we we re- recover and recoup. And so um, I, I'm just ready for the game to and I, I appreciated this game because I wanted Houston to be challenged. I right. wanted to see some form of adversity. I got a group chat with a lot of my frat brothers, and they were kind of worried, like, why are we with Houston? And I know some of them are casual fans, don't necessarily watch every game. And so I really didn't even say too much. I knew Houston would pull away. And for me, like I said, this was really, in my opinion, like their first game. Yeah, I was just curious. I, was, I wasn't worried about whether they won or not. I want to see how they finished. Right, who coached ended the, did, the game exactly. with? That's what I wanted exactly. to see. Yep, and we Me saw too. that. So hey, five and zero is five and zero, or one and zero against really good teams, good competition, good test. Yep. Was this a quad two, quad two victory? The NCAA won't start the the quad 
rankings, I think, until the first Tuesday in December, something like that. They didn't have enough games to be a while for the for the formula to you know to see who's good who's really who. Yeah, yeah. see who's really who and how they play against one another. It makes sense. I think it'll do. by the time that they get enough games under the belt, at minimum, it'll probably be a quad to a win. And Galvin was high on Utah again, like we saw after after the game. Uh, says he's they're going to be a really good team and in the Pac-12. And they going to be a quad to as well. He likely. does a great job of digging up his opponents. He's been doing that oh, yes. since the American. First, the American. He's I don't care what they what their record is. He's going to big up his opponent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and he doesn't have to do it in the Big 12, but he'll probably do it for Big 12 yeah. teams too. But he yeah. always, whoever they're playing in the American, well, you know, they got songs of this. They're this. They're this. Yeah. Coach, and if you ask Coach off the record, Coach, that team is like 5 and 12. I'm always going to promote the conference. I'm always going to promote the conference because if I don't do it, who will? And not only that, that, that goes in, in when these – um, people in consideration of where Houston should be ranked in regards to seating, they listen to those type of right. words. And some mm-hmm. of them actually listen to that. And so they'll take some of his words into consideration. He'll be like, you know what? He's right. They are this. They are that. And so power, power up to Coach Sam, man, for sure. It's all about, you know, his experience. And he knows how the game works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what is it now? 35, 36 years? He knows how it works. Mm-hmm. Y'all want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. And get ready for tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Senior night. That would be interesting to see the turnout for the senior night after the. We got we got cool we got cool fans in the house. What y'all expecting for football tomorrow? I know this is we're talking basketball tonight, but can we get a couple comments and what you guys expecting for the game tomorrow? What you guys expecting? Oklahoma State coming off the loss. Will they be at? Great question. Will you guys be at the game? What's up? I'm curious that myself. Who's going to be at the game? <laughs> Which season ticket holders are going to keep their tickets and show up at the game? Which fans went on the the other market and get tickets for four bucks? <laughs> what what bucket are you in? The season ticket bucket, or I'm buying my ticket four dollars, man. You know. So has anyone told any? Oh, buffet. It's buffet. Uh, buffet. Uh, buffet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh, Mr. Smith says, <laughs> I'm expecting us to get ran on 200-plus yards for their back. Wow. Yeah, because they're running back at least the nation and running, and he is yeah. serious. He for yeah. real. <laughs> he for real. He's so the real deal. He the real deal. And Oklahoma State, I do not expect them to have two bad games in a row. No. <laughs> so it might be this Houston in the wrong place, wrong time tomorrow for Oklahoma State because they need the win to – Keep their chances alive to get the big toe championship. championship. Yeah, the Cougs just trying to stay alive for being bowl eligible. Mike Jones saying he's going to the game. Okay, big up to Mike Jones. Not expecting much though, but thank you for going though, Mike. It could be an opportunity (laughs) for Houston to beat. And correct me if I'm wrong, their first ranked opponent since SMU into the 2021 season. Is that the last time they beat ranked opponent? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> Ferguson, Dana's gonna find a way to get a miracle win, then lose at UCF, end up being one of those five and seven bowl teams. <laughs> yeah, I would be surprised I because would. you don't you don't know what team's gonna show up. You never know. <laughs> you know? 
know, so which Cougar team will show up Saturday? That's that has been the, one of the questions we, we've wondered this whole season. Yeah. Because they could win tomorrow and they lose the UCL. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But either way, we will talk about it on Less Rich Cougs. Yeah. Either way, join us to to raise, man. Whether they win, get blew out, or whatever the case. And tomorrow we will have Dana Holgerson footage. So it'll be it's been the first time in a while. We'll see what whatever Dana Holgerson has to say after how whatever the outcome of the game is. Come on, Andy. You know if they lose. We know it's Big 12. <laughs> it's yeah. Big 12 <laughs> Year one. It's but Big 12 football, you know. Yeah. But we will see it here on uh, Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial Houston postgame show for football and men's, men's basketball. And like we've said now, the original Houston postgame show presented by the Sex Indian family. I'll go first. People can find me on X at Ayanis underscore five. Be sure to subscribe to if you're watching whatever platform you're watching, whether it be on the Pod Jamma YouTube channel. Be sure to hit the subscribe button down below. If you're watching on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel, be sure to hit the subscribe button on that channel as well. Chris, I'll toss it over to you. You take it up, sir. Thank you, young man. Uh, I'm Chris Gardner, Houston Round Ball Review. Follow me on the platforms, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and spoutable and threads and instagram and tiktok all those things thank you everybody once again for joining us taking time out of your night life schedule to be part of the less rage kooks show we appreciate it spread the word tell everybody about us because we are we're going to say it as long as necessary we are the original post-game show for houston athletics football men's basketball join us saturday dan you got it Chris, I love your moniker, local name, global perspective. I love that, 1,000%. I love that. But like Chris just said, man, we appreciate you all for joining us. Friday night, you guys are here tuning in and tapping in with us. So I can't say it enough. We can't reiterate it enough. We appreciate the support 1,000%. You can follow me on all social media, all media platforms, like it's shown on the screen, at Dayon Dunlap. Look forward to tomorrow, then Sunday, a lot of cougs, a lot of raging to do. Let's go cougs, always.